Hi, everyone, and welcome to the first episode ever of Holding Court. I'm Courtney Turner. I'm sitting here with Justin Turner, my handsome husband. Uh, for those of you that don't know him, he is the third baseman for the Dodgers. Anything else? Nope, that's about it. That that sums me up. That defines <laughs> me as a person. Third baseman for the Dodgers. Uh, so thrilled to be on here with you. Um, now you know how I feel when <laughs> when, when I'm introed every single time. Oh, man, labels. As labels. your wife. I go yeah. on the news, and under my name, it just says Justin Turner's wife. No hey, more, no less. Hey, Ro- Ross on his podcast said Courtney Turner's husband, and he introduced me, so... I He's trying to change like, the narrative. Yeah, still feel like it's more than that. It's beyond that. <laughs> it is. And so much more. Oh, anyways. Uh, yeah, so this is exciting. This is uh, something that Court's been wanting to do for a couple of years now. Uh, have her own podcast. And uh, instead of chocolates and flowers and teddy bears for Valentine's Day, I bought her this little um, this little podcast system. Uh, we've got a little mini studio set up in our, in our dining room in, in Arizona. <laughs> so, uh, this is exciting. This is, uh, this is first episode, uh, bear with us. We're kind of, you know, getting used to this stuff and, and rolling with the waves and we'll see how it goes. And, uh, you know, just going to try to let you know a little bit more about us and, and what we, what we're all about. Nothing says romance like a podcasting board. Two microphones and a and a control board. Honestly, you can keep your flowers. I'm happy <laughs> with this. All right, let's just jump right into it. Um, we'll start with something kind of, I guess, topical with the marathon this last weekend uh, benefiting our foundation. I guess I can kind of start with talking about our foundation, how it came to be. Yeah. So Justin and I started uh, the Justin Turner Foundation in 2016. We were approached to um, help raise money for a new veterans program that the Dream Center in Los Angeles wanted to start, and they wanted to kind of use a golf tournament hosted by Justin as a way to kickstart the funding for all of that. Um, kind of threw together the golf tournament very quickly. In my mind, it was like two weeks. I think you said it was actually like two months. It yeah, felt it was like a little less than two months we had to to have this golf tournament, so... Uh, it was a scramble, but we pulled it off. Literally, it was a golf scramble. <laughs> it was a, a golf scramble. <laughs> <laughs> it was a scramble, and we were scrambling, and we pulled it off, and we raised enough money to open up uh, 25 beds a- in the men- men's veterans program at the Dream Center, which was which was pretty cool. And that, this was before we had the foundation. Mm-hmm. This was just uh, an idea that came to us because court had done some work at the dream center and met a bunch of awesome people over there and insisted that, you know, I go up and see what they're all about and everything they're doing in the community. And that kind of blossomed us into the, the Justin Turner foundation. Yeah. I think it was such a successful event and we kind of saw, you know, how much we were able to do and how, much people would be drawn to things that were important to you. And so, yeah, raised a good amount of money and kind of kickstarted the foundation that year. Um, In addition to helping homeless veterans, we also um, are in the children's hospitals a lot um, with kids and their families and um, just trying to bring joy to their lives. Um, Justin will bring kids out in the field. We've done... um, we just recently hosted our winter wonderland um, for kids that aren't able to go home for the holidays and kind of bring a little Christmas spirit to them. Um, yeah. So those are kind of our two main beneficiaries that we focus on. Yeah. The winter wonderland was our first one. That was exciting. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. We didn't know if we were going to be able to pull it off. <laughs> yeah. That was another scramble. That was another scramble. Yeah. Justin kind of had this vision, um, Every time we're in the hospitals around the holidays, kids are always saying, um, you know, and asking, you know, is Santa going to be able to find me or just wondering what Christmas is going to look like if they're not able to go home. And that's heartbreaking for us to hear. And so to be able to kind of create this space um, for them to go to and be able to meet Santa and get Christmas presents and get their face painted and, you know, kind of forget about 
everything in the hospital for just a moment. That was really special to see. Yeah, it was cool. That we, uh, like you said, we had Santa there and uh, Princess Elsa and some ballerinas dancing around. And then, you know, video games, face painting, uh, gingerbread house building. Um, the company came out and was spray painting uh, T-shirts. Yeah, like airbrush. Airbrushing t-shirts. t-shirts, yeah, which was cool. So the kids were getting shirts with their names on them. Um, we had a cotton candy vendor. We had uh, press juicery was out there handing out juice. Uh, there was a Papa shot. There was the the largest foosball table I had ever seen <laughs> <laughs> was at this Winter Wonderland. Yeah. I think it was you could put twenty people on each side of yeah. it. So I don't I don't think anyone ever scored a goal because you had to go too, too much far defense. on the table. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it was really cool. It was cool to you know see the kids walk in and see the kids light up and and just you know, be able to create a magical environment for them uh, during the holidays, which, you know, tend to be something that they don't necessarily look forward to because, like you said, they're not sure if uh, Santa's going to be able to find them. They're not going to be able to, you know, be at home and have the Christmas tree and the lights and, and the presents under the tree. So it's not necessarily something that, you know, a lot of the kids in the hospital look forward to and, I think, you know, we created a little bit of that magic for them to, to have that experience. So I with the help of our in insane yes. friend and event planner, Mindy Weiss. Yeah, she, Mindy was awesome. Rockstar. Yeah, you can go to her with any vision and she's like, Okay, got it, done. And you're like, You sure? Like we're good? And then yeah, we walked in and we were completely blown away by um the way she was able to bring your vision to life that day. Yeah, it was, it was, it was remarkable. So, um, thank you, Mindy. You're the best. (laughs) (laughs) So that kind of will bring us into the marathon and why I put myself through that whole situation, um, to raise money so we can do events like winter wonderland and assisting the dream center with their veterans program. So in 2018, we were asked to be a official charity partner of the LA marathon, which is obviously exciting to be able to recruit runners and have everyone be on, you know, team JTF and fundraise for you. But looking at it for me, I was like, okay, I'm not a distance runner. So I noticed that there was a 5k the day before the marathon at Dodger stadium. That's kind of part of the LA marathon weekend. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to hop on this one. Like I'm looking to my left, I'm looking to my right. I'm like, no one else in the foundation is like, gonna run this weekend so like this is I was not running yeah like just you can't run so I mean I was like okay this is on me so let's do it I mean I can run I just wasn't (laughs) going to run the marathon (laughs) or the 5k okay um so I signed up I made my fundraising page I'm like okay here we go let's do it I think I had like three weeks to go before so you know start taking donations I'm getting all of these donations and I'm seeing the comments under them and they're all like, Courtney, I can't believe you're running a marathon. Like you're going to crush it. Like take my money. Here's my donation, all this. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, they think I am running the marathon, like the full marathon. Great. That's perfect. I'm not. But so I kind of <laughs> sat there. I'm like, okay, what do like, how do I remedy this? And how do I not take these donations fraudulently. Yeah, so you didn't want to feel like a fraud. Yeah, I'm like, I can't just do the 5K. So I signed up for the half marathon, which wasn't the full, but it was, I felt like it was more worthy of these donations than the 5K. So it went from three miles to 13.1. Um, Who'd you sign up with? I signed up with my friend Christy. No, what do you mean? Didn't Matt Money Smith run the other oh, half? Oh, yes. yes. That's that's a vital point, too. Yeah. So when you do the you're, you're only able to do the half marathon with the LA Marathon if you run with a charity. So I needed someone to kind of pass the baton to me at the halfway point. So, yeah, Matt Money Smith uh, stepped up to the plate. I think he did it in half the time it took me, but that doesn't matter. It's all for a good cause. And yeah, he we kind of had a thing going. That was fun that year because. He was trying to pass me in donations and that kind of helped because we were going back and forth. Like he would pass me, I would pass him and it kind of motivated yeah, and who people. Can, who can raise the most money. Yeah. And he so was on the radio on the Petros and Money Show. He had a little bit more of an audience and, yeah. <laughs> than I did. but And it was back and forth and there was some smack talking going on. And, you know, Dave Weiss at 570 was kind of the middleman and all of it. And it made it, it made it pretty fun. Yeah. I think for both of you to 
compete before the the run even started. Yeah, because he was obviously going to crush me on the course. So <laughs> all I had was my fundraising. So yeah, it was fun to see who like was donating to which one of us, like who which side they were picking. But so that year you came out. Um, and you were the official marathon starter that year, bright and early. You came home from spring training that year. Yeah. Yeah. I flew home, uh, after a game and, uh, went out. We, the marathon starts at six fifty in the morning. Mm-hmm. So, uh, got up bright and early, went down there. Um, it's a, it's a big event. It's yeah. It by far seated and blew away my expectations I had no idea what I was getting into we pull up and there are 25 26,000 runners lined up in center field at Dodger Stadium waiting to tackle this 26.2 miles and or 13.1 or 13.1 if they're running the half but uh (laughs) it was it was crazy I was crazy to see uh how many people we're actually running in it and you know you say 25,000 people and then you don't know what that looks like until you're standing up on that starting line and and watching 25,000 people go by you and it literally takes 30 35 minutes for all these people to run past you and start their race so it was uh an experience that I'll never forget and uh an experience that I'm excited to go back and be a part of every year now for for three years yeah I honestly had no idea what I was getting myself into I remember going to the expo because the two days before you have to go pick up your bib and all your your t-shirt your race information all that and so I show up at the expo and I am just completely clueless and I'm just kind of like chatting with random people like oh like is this your first marathon da 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 like getting information and I realized I literally had no idea what I was doing. People were asking me like, oh, what's your fuel schedule? Like what, like, have you figured out like your scheduling for like your bowel movements like that more? And I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, maybe I'm not ready for this. Like I haven't scheduled my bowel movements and I'm running tomorrow. Like I didn't know you scheduled them, but apparently when you are a marathon runner, you have fuel and like your nutrition and you're supposed to do all of your training runs leading up to that like exact like copy of that morning so like I should have been waking up at like 5 a.m and eating and like apparently having a bowel movement and then going out and doing my runs not with the runs but like going out doing my runs and like preparing exactly did not do that it was fine I think for the half you can kind of get away with it but yeah I think it's a whole world that I think doing it now for doing the full for two years like I can say I like I'm a little like privy to that world now and I kind of get it um but yeah I going into that day like even showing up at the course with you to start everything like I had no idea like what I was getting myself into at all well speaking of bowel movements can we talk about the greatest (laughs) sign I've ever seen in a sporting event that year (laughs) what a transition (laughs) well the sign (laughs) It literally said, "Oh yeah, don't trust a fart after mile 14. No, right? it's mile nine. Mile you nine. Gotta, you can't sorry, trust it nine. early. You don't, don't even have, <laughs> you don't have to force it. This comes down to your bowel movement planning in the run, I guess, because yeah. you can't trust a fart after mile nine was the sign that it's this guy was holding advice, up. It was great. Honestly, it, was, it was honestly one of the best signs I've ever seen. I was dying laughing. I'll never forget it. And I talk about it every year. And every time the marathon comes up, mm-hmm. I bring up that sign because oh yeah it was that good when you pass that mile nine sign I think that's like right before Hollywood you're like whoop there it is clench you know, those you cheeks know, you know right where you're at <laughs> <laughs> you never forget where you are when you see that sign for the first time but no it's oh, it's 17 definitely more, 17 more well you start to see the lines for the porta potties and you're like oh man I am I am so glad I just pop the emodium in the morning and say a prayer and just you don't you don't want to worry about that when you're out there. There's enough going on with your body and with the weather and all that. Like that's the last thing you want to think about. Yeah, it's I I don't know how you guys do it and and you've done two full now and a half, which is crazy. Yeah. And um, I mean, I have so much respect for you and the other. 25,999 runners <laughs> who <laughs> accomplished that because I don't think there's any way I can do it. I said, I did say this year that maybe when I'm done playing, I'll, uh, 
I'll start with a 5k, go to a 10k, maybe try to do a half. And then if I'm feeling brave enough, maybe one day run the full marathon with you. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get there, but I know it's weird. It's (laughs) we're, we're experiencing some sound. Our dog is chewing a ball in the background. Sorry about that. We, um, it's weird. Like after you do the half, they're like, well, next year, like you're going to do the full. And then you're like on that, like runner's high. And you're like, yes, like I'll do anything. And then after the full, like last year they asked me, they're like, what's next? I'm like, I don't know. An Ironman. Like you just are in this weird space where you're like, I can do anything after the fact this year. I didn't really feel that way. Like I, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm glad this is over. I wasn't looking forward to like anything else be honest yeah well I feel like you you pushed yourself a lot harder this year than you did in the in the first two years and obviously you shaved an hour off your time and uh you know I think that one of the coolest parts about going to a a marathon is going to the finish line and the LA marathon ends in Santa Monica right by the bungalow uh so your last what is it last mile you hit Ocean Avenue and you and you turn down Ocean and you're running down to the bungalow um, and to stand on the finish line and watch the runners cross and the range of emotion. Um, you know, you and Gabby this year grabbed each other's hands and held it up as you cross the line and just an excitement. But you see runners limping across the line. You see runners literally being carried across the line. You see people in tears. You see people, um, you see people falling down across the, the finish line and, and, you know, kissing the ground. It's just the range of emotion to accomplish finishing a marathon is, is so crazy to see. And if you ever get a chance to go out there, I, I highly recommend it. It's so cool uh, to cheer on the runners and, and to see them finish and see how uh, just passionate they are about crossing that finish line. Yeah, it's crazy. So the very, the last mile you make the turn and you have obviously the beach, the ocean to your right. And you are like, oh my gosh, like we're almost here. Like we're, we hit mile 25. You, the finish line kind of comes into your sight and you're like, okay, we're here. And so you kick up your pace and you're like going for it. Like you pick your song on your, on your phone and you're like ready to go. You're in the zone. And then you realize the finish line, it kind of disappears. Like it's very strange. It's almost like a desert mirage. And you're like, wait, I swear I just saw that. Like I, that was there. Right. And you're like, wait, okay. So then you keep going, you keep going and you see it and you start to hear him like in the distance, like calling the runner's names that are crossing the finish line. And it just like, it just keeps going. I mean, I'm sure the people that have like the six minute mile pace, but for us, like 11, 12, 13 minute milers, like you realize you turn the corner and you still have a mile left, but you're so eager to get there that you're just like, oh my gosh, you're literally giving it everything you have. And so it is so emotional, like the last few steps. And this year, man, like I, (laughs) this is the first year I've really dealt with. I shouldn't have bragged in the past because everyone's like, oh gosh, you're not gonna be able to walk after the marathon. Last year I hopped out of bed. I think I went and worked out that day. Like I, it was fine. Shouldn't have done that. Cause this year I definitely started to feel joint pain for the first time in my life and so after the finish line we obviously Justin was there and then a few of our friends and I was standing there just like chatting and like knees just like lock up and you're like oh great like this (laughs) so I've like kind of like hopping over to get my medal I'm like oh man like so it's like I you really push yourself at the end and even though I was dealing with like joint pain throughout the whole race like you you really like leave it all out there at the very end. So like I can understand the people that are like crawling over the finish line or they need help over the finish line. Cause I was kind of almost in that group this year. I was like, uh, babe, can you help me go get my medal? Like it was it definitely, it was feeling it. Yeah. You were a little cocky the last two years. You were dancing around and feeling good about yourself. And yeah, I but like I said, you actually put, you, you pushed yourself harder this year, even, yeah. in, even in training and, and everything you were doing. Um, you know, I'd come home from spring training and you'd have a 10 mile run or, or a 12 mile run and you tell me that you're running them at a 10 and a half minute pace or 11, 11 minute pace. And, um, just constantly just upping the ante, I guess, for yourself and your training. So I feel like, you know, you, you ran it last year to finish it. And I feel like you ran it this year to actually compete and run it and, and, you know, try to 
try to push yourself and, and you did and, and your body felt it for sure. Uh, you're, you're still a little sore. <laughs> I actually feel great today, but yeah, the first couple of days after I was like, Oh man, I finally understand joint pain and like people talking about that. But yeah, I feel like I knew the course, um, from last year and downtown is crazy Hills. Like they just don't let up. And so I definitely, um, ran a little with a running group in Pasadena, the Pasadena Pacers, and they definitely made sure that we were running Hills and getting that elevation in because it sneaks up on you and there's no way around it and you just have to do it. So, yeah, I think also just the whole experience, um, running for our foundation and running for kids and running for veterans, I think mentally I wanted to push myself because I think, I mean, they're going through the unthinkable and dealing with so much. And I just think, you know, this is nothing, you know, it's, it's pain. It's whatever. It's temporary. You're going through the whole thing. And like, just even points in the race where like your legs are feeling heavy and you just remind yourself why you're running. I mean, hats off to people that run for fun and do all that, but I don't know if I would have been able to do it and make it through if I wasn't running for our foundation. Cause I think for me, that was kind of the only motivation that I had, like people that just wake up and they're like, I'm going to run 10 miles today. Like, yay for them but I think that this I definitely needed this as my reason well what was your strategy because I know I I didn't really ask you or talk to you about it but I was going to be meeting you along the course and um I actually met you at mile seven I met you at mile 11 I met you at mile 17 I met you at the finish line so were you like when you're running this marathon are you literally just taking it mile by mile and just like keeping track do you know where you're at when you're running are you just running to run as long as you can do you look forward to seeing someone on the course that you know I know uh, your friend Casey met you at some point in between and in years past um, you know other people have come down and met you along the race is that like uh, is that like a refresher to like take your mind off the run that you have in front of you or or like does that help yeah I think so I ran with Gabby um and she also fundraised for the foundation. We kind of are like, I don't know, like as much as we went into like our training and kind of plan for that, like we didn't really talk that much about race day and like what that was going to look like. We kind of, we talked about doing intervals. We're like, okay, if, cause she's dealt with some knee stuff in the past and we're like, we didn't know, you know, if it was going to be really hot that day or if it was going to be raining. And so we kind of like bounced around the idea of um, doing intervals. So a lot of people will do five minutes of running and then walking for one, but obviously you up your pace for the five minutes you're running or some people do like a 90-60 or like a 60-60. And we're kind of like, if we're feeling that adrenaline after the start, like let's just kind of see how far we can go from that and then kind of reevaluate. And we just kind of went. Like we got a good pace. I think in the beginning we started – obviously a little faster, like out of the stadium, you're going downhill and then all that. And then we slowed up a little and then we kind of averaged out our pace. I think it was around maybe like 12, 12 minute mile. And so it, we're kind of like, this feels good, right? Like we're kind of in the zone. Cause that's what someone said, um, going into the training, they said, get in the zone as fast as you can and then stay there. So we're like, okay. And I kind of was talking with her. I was like, do you like this pace? Like, are you feeling good? And then there'd be times where there were hills, um, like kind of after the halfway point you hit like the, I think it's like century city or like Culver city, like the rolling Hills. So we're kind of like, okay, let's like maybe let up a little on these. Cause like your legs start to get heavy and all that. But yeah, aside from when, you know, we met you and Mike and Casey, like along the course, like we, we didn't really stop. Like we just were like, let's just keep going and, you know, kind of adjust your pace if you need to. But I think for me, if I stop too much, like it's really hard to get going again and like get that rhythm again. And so, yeah, but I will say having people along the course is the best thing, or even just like things along the course that you look forward to. Like I know there's like the drums at the Disney concert hall downtown. Um, there's rivalry row where it's like USC versus UCLA. There's little spots along the course that for me, like help me, um, help motivate me to like get to those points. And like when you text and you'll say, Oh, we're, at mile nine and I look and we're at, or you're at mile seven. I'm like, okay, we're already at five. Like, let's just get to there and then, you know, take a drink of water and, and pause and get all that. So I think having people along the course, I think is the best motivation and the best like boost for, for your energy. 
I will say after <laughs> I saw you at 17 and then we had to go all the way to 26 without seeing anyone else. Like that was rough. So I started to pretend that people were my friends. <laughs> <laughs> so you're hallucinating. No, like people <laughs> cheering and I'm like, yes, thank you. And I even said it out loud. Like I was like, I just pretended that girl was my friend. And as I'm running away, she was like, we are your friends. And I was like, yes. Like she was just like, I don't know. You kind of pretend the signs are for you. It'll say like, keep running, Andrea. And I'm like, just pretending it's saying like, keep running, Courtney. Like, I don't know. I feel like you kind of do see the same people over and over. You will see people's family. Like you'll see them at mile five and then you'll see them. They move to like mile 12 and all that. But yeah, that last stretch gets brutal because by that point with traffic and all the road closures, like you guys start to head to the finish line. And so after 17, it was like just nine miles of just getting through on your own. Well, you, you skipped mile 11, which I met you at mile 11. And uh, <laughs> there was a surprise there waiting for you. Uh, Mike, your boss, hired a mariachi band. <laughs> and when you guys came running up, the mariachi band started playing. Well, <laughs> I actually had no idea that was for us. And I felt so stupid for not realizing it was for us because we went up and I was like oh my gosh like these guys are like it's almost like in the heartbreak kid where like they're playing and you're like okay guys can we have a moment for like two seconds and then as we're like almost leaving you guys and saying bye you said something like can you believe he got like he hired them for you and I was like wait what like this was for us like I had no idea and it drew this like crazy crowd around you I feel like that was like a big like fan stop for you. Like they were like, oh, well, like listen to the music. We'll get a selfie with Justin. Like this is perfect. But that I literally could not believe it. Like we went away and we're like, did that even just happen? Like that's <laughs> the most ridiculous. I mean, you see some like ridiculous things along the course. Like that's people Mike. are are dressed up in an Elvis costume or there's like dressed as a T-Rex or there was someone in a Kobe jersey dribbling a basketball. Like you see all of these things. Like There was a guy that was dribbling three basketballs for the entire 26.2. He had three basketballs and he was almost like juggled dribbling them as he was going. And then I saw two separate people, a guy and a girl in Kobe jerseys had basketballs and were dribbling, dribbling the basketballs. I saw a guy dress up as a hazard cone. He literally <laughs> had a bright oh, orange. Oh, I saw that. I saw that. Like not a hazard, a detour cone. So it was like a bright orange cone detour. And I think he finished in under four hours. <laughs> that guy. Like, Don't so tell me that. I, I mean. <laughs> it is bad when you look back and you see that you were behind someone like dressed as like a bear. And you're like, <laughs> really? Like this person like is hot. As, I mean, it wasn't that hot, but like it's hot in that costume when there, you're running. And you're like, wait, I just got, I got beat by like a T-Rex. There's also a guy who runs in the full fireman's outfit oh like yeah head to toe fireman gear which was pretty cool to see him out there and, and see him running and then a lot of people are carrying flags and, yeah and dressing up for different causes different charities different foundations different kids that they're running for yeah um it's it's pretty cool to see it's emotional and even like gabby and i were talking while we we're like we just kept saying like we're so thankful for like able bodies and like being able to do this and you know there's there's the people that you know have their limitations that are visible and then there's people that like you would have no idea what some of these people are dealing with and just even from like simple pain to you know something way beyond that and you're just like oh man like what's my like sore knee or anything like that yeah exactly I mean there's so many stories I feel like that come out of of you know people who are just overcoming so much and and running in marathons and um, different surgeries that they just came out of and um, never thought that they would be able to run another marathon and, and they were out there uh, on Sunday. Um. You started the race. There was um, a man named Phil who yeah. I didn't meet till after the end of the marathon. I think we finished similar times, but I saw him up there with you starting the marathon and obviously didn't know his story until after, but um, I believe he just had a liver transplant. He had liver cancer and just had a transplant, I think, four months before the so marathon. So I actually, I actually met Phil and his family at a Dodger game. He came in before he had the transplant and met him, hung out with him before a game. And then uh, I had no idea he was going to be up there starting the race, but saw him up there. And uh, I think there's a couple of videos going around. Uh, we hit the horn together. I gave him a big high five and a big hug and... Uh, he was running, and he and he was one of the guys that was like, "I can't believe I'm running a marathon right now. Like this is this is crazy." And 
Um, he actually finished, I mean, within seconds right before you. Uh, I think 10, 15 seconds right before you. And uh, his family was all there who was with him at Dodger Stadium. So it was cool to kind of, we were hanging out together while he finished the race and then you came in right after him. So that was, that was pretty special. Yeah. I mean, you just would never know everyone and it's just so, yeah, it's so emotional and it's, you can't explain the energy. Like it really is cool. Like it showcases our city in the best way and, you know, starting it obviously iconic, like Dodger stadium, going through downtown Hollywood, West Hollywood, Beverly Hills. Um, it is really cool. And yeah. So anyone, if you can get out there, even just to cheer, if you are not a runner, um, to experience it, there's nothing like it. Yeah. I think for me, it, it's, it's incredible The obviously just watching the runners, but the everyone who comes out and is supporting the runners and handing out water and, um, <laughs> I saw licorice and, um, oh, there orange is a slices. There's, I mean, there if you're hungry, you should run the LA Marathon because you're gonna eat on that track. There I, I'm is telling you, the orange slices. There's red vines. Um, I saw peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. There's the hot dog cart. Like hot there's this cart, famous yeah. hot dog cart. I think at mile five, um, and they're there every year, and people are mowing through that. I mean, people stop at the In and Out in Hollywood and like grab a burger and a Coke and then keep running. There's well, pizza. There's everything we met you at mile seven which is that new starbucks right there just past el Verado. yeah and runners were putting in mobile orders and then running off the street into starbucks and grabbing coffees <laughs> and then going back on the course and running it was great i thought it was genius yeah that's innovative i don't know sure. if i can run after chugging a coffee i know like. i there because there's i think it's mile 22 there's always beer there are these people that like will pour a full beer for you and i'm like i guess that's close to the end but like not close enough where i could it's still drink four a miles beer. yeah and yeah there's pizza like in brentwood there's always like pizza um yeah sandwiches i've seen like mcnuggets people are out there i'm just like good on you i can't really eat like it's hard for me to eat while i'm running but what about the post-run cravings like you just finished 26.2 miles. I had to run. I had to, I had to head out. <laughs> no. <laughs> go, I had to go back to Dodger Stadium. But, um, like, what like what are the cravings? Like, when you just finished running 26.2 miles? Because I don't know if I'll ever experience that. Right away, like, I can't eat. But I know while I'm running, I start dreaming about what I'm going to eat. And so I think we, Gabby and I, kind of had our mind on buffalo wings like that's my jam and I think for three or four weeks before the marathon I tried to make pretty good choices with um diet and all that but I wanted just like a a soda because I hadn't had a soda in like a month and wanted that and buffalo wings and pizza but like for the first couple hours like I can't really think about eating like you're in a weird place like I think when you're running they say all the blood rushes to like your hands your feet all that when you stop running it kind of just like rushes back into your internal organs and so I kind of just like plop on the couch and I'm like I'm not I'm not thinking about that that's, but yeah that's crazy because after a three or four hour game I'm starving and all I want to <laughs> do is go eat something <laughs> little different but yeah I we definitely crushed we crushed like once we got home and got on the couch and and all that I love that you came home. Pizza Hut wings? Yeah. You came home from your shoot and you were just like, oh, I'm sore. I'm tired. I'm hungry. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And you were like, sound familiar? And I was like, yes. Can you just let me like have this moment to be a baby on the couch? <laughs> it was a long day. I know. It was a long day. I, I didn't have to run. But no, it was a long but day. you definitely were awake when I got up in the morning and you were right there. Little different role but you were right there you were allowed to be tired <laughs> just not on the same level so back to the foundation Alrighty. and the marathon yes uh obviously you run to raise money for the foundation and this is kind of your baby um obviously your pride and joy you're out there you're setting up the booth and everything at the convention and getting the runners and emailing them and getting the shirts made through baseballism, our friends at baseballism hook us up for everything that we do. They're awesome. Um, how 
what was the final? Do you have a final total? Do we do we know what we raised? I don't even know this yet. Yeah, last year we did over fifty thousand dollars. This year we topped seventy thousand dollars. So it was. We were hoping to just do a little better than last year, and we just absolutely crushed it. Um, wow. Yeah. Really, That's really, really grateful for all the donations that were rolled. They're still. I think we just got one today, so people are definitely still donating to that. And yeah, that. That's honestly why I do it. Like I, I've said, I, I am not, this doesn't come naturally for me. This is not something that, you know, I wake up and even running a mile, like that's a challenge for me. So I think my high school track coach donates every single year. And in the comments says like, I think this is more than you ran in your entire high school running career. Um, so yeah, this is not easy for me. So I definitely push myself and um, want to feel like I'm earning every single donation to the foundation for sure. Who was the most interesting donator this year? You get to see everyone that donates. You get a li- everyone's name. They donate money to you. Um, I don't know. You said your track coach. Your track coach donates well, yeah, from high that's school like and a, says, Haha, he's like, you're not even a runner. You were a pole vaulter. I can't well, imagine yeah. you running 26 miles. So 13 steps, I think, was all I had to prepare for with that. I mean, I did like the four by one and hurdles and pole vaulting. Like it was not... I'm, Everyone's always like, you look like you're a runner. I'm like, I don't even know what that means because I'm definitely not. I guess <laughs> now I can, I'm a marathoner though. I need the sticker on the back of my car that says 26.2. Yeah, I do don't you know consider yourself a marathoner? I mean, you finished two. I, 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 I consider you a marathoner. I still feel weird. I still feel like when people are like, oh my gosh, you did the marathon. I have to like say something like about my time or like, well, I didn't really like do it that fast. Like, I still feel like I'm not in that crew. But if that bumper sticker shows up at my house in the mail, I'll put it on my car for sure. I don't know how you get those. Do you buy them yourself or does someone? I have no idea. But you've seen them. You don't get it in your like race <laughs> race package? No, but you've seen those, right? I've seen them, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how you acquire those. But I mean, think about it. Like next year when you go to run the marathon again, you run it again, right? Have we decided that? <laughs> <laughs> Did I just volunteer <laughs> to run it again? Yes, I'll do it. Only okay. because you just kind of backed me into it but yeah so next next year year. when you show up to run the marathon you're going to be running your third full marathon that is yeah bananas like that is so crazy to think about and so crazy to say and you're almost like a veteran marathon runner now yeah I guess I still I don't know maybe if I do one in like under five hours I'll feel like I can claim I will say doing it an hour um faster this year the cheering sections were definitely bigger because last year we're like oh my gosh it's so weird after mile 20 like no one's out here and this year like I realized okay it was just because I was slow last year there was it was full it was alive and well in mile 20 to 26 very full I didn't think of that yeah everyone went home no honestly (laughs) there was a spot there was a spot last year of like three miles where it was like tumbleweed went across the road you guys thought you weren't on the course anymore honestly I'm like and we take a wrong turn because, yeah, you, it was hot last year and no one was out there. It was rough. So I was not looking forward to the end of the course this year. And this year it was popping. Like there were people out there. They still had snacks. They had water. They had orange slices. So it definitely was a lot easier this year. But who was my most interesting donor? I don't know. I'm asking you. Like You have a look on your face like well, you know who it was. Well, I know like. Like I saw that Jason Bateman donated to you. Oh, like that okay. That, that one definitely takes cool, the cake. Right? Big Dodger super fan. That one was surprising. Yeah, I like wonder I don't how even that, know how he found out about it. I wonder how that. I mean, I was spamming everyone on social media, so I'm sure it maybe somehow. Were you sliding into Jason Bateman's <laughs> DMs? No, <or laughs> no, I was not. But I feel like it probably got retweeted or something into his feed. And he saw it. If that was even really him, that could have been like a faux. Someone just JB wrote Jason Bateman in there. I don't know. That was a pretty substantial donation. Well, he comes out to a lot of games. I'll ask him. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'll be like, hi, I'm the one you donated for. He's gonna be like, I'm sorry, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Someone like, just Mr. Bateman. May I thank you for this donation? He's like, get security, get this woman away. From Someone me. just made it up. They're like, yeah, oh Jason man, Bateman. no, he's the best. We love game night. So that night. he is a treasure. We have game night every year. With that movie. We having a game night this year? Yeah, we're going to have to. Maybe we'll do a live podcast <laughs> from, the oh. g- from the game night. Do we, have, do we have Stripling guest co-host? 
Yeah, maybe. I know. I'm going to have to return the favor to him and have him on this one. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, he kind of like lit the fire under us, having us on the, you were on last year, and then I went on in spring this year, so. Yeah. Uh, I actually said on the on the show that he kind of ins- inspired you to uh, get the ball rolling on the on the podcast and and be a little bit more eager to do it. Yeah. I mean, I've wanted to, I think I more so wanted a radio show. I grew up listening to, um, Delilah. I don't know if that's, I think the West coast Delilah is Karen Sharp on the coast. And so Delilah would do like the late night hour on our, like, like a sweet, sexy, silky voice. I don't know if it was sexual. I think (laughs) she just was, she was like a Cupid. Like you could call in and say like my girlfriend just broke up with me and she would kind of like talk you through it. And she would say like, do you want to send a song out to her? Did you ever call in? I did not call in. I did not call in. Or you just, did you think about calling in? You just like puffed your chest up a little bit. You're like, who did you call? Delilah about. I didn't know you were such an avid Delilah listening. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Big, big, big Delilah fan. And so I think I just was like inspired by her. I loved that. And so I actually had a fake radio show for a while called, um, call or go ahead. And I would, cause I always wanted to be, um, a therapist. And so I guess when I fell in love with like the radio show, I kind of loved like that. I don't know, not like a love line. That's a little too like R rated, but Something like an advice show where you could also send like a radio dedication out to someone. And so I would call my friends and I would make them ask me like a question or like get advice. And then I would ask if they wanted to dedicate a song to someone. Um, It wasn't, it never was like recorded or it wasn't (laughs) real, but everyone surprisingly went along with it though. Really? Like people would get like, oh, this is fun. Okay, let me think about this. All right. So, and they would actually give me like a song dedication. It was real. And this was like... Probably twelve years, like a so while ago, wait, so like a long time which ago. Which one of your friends was the best? At the best caller. Oh, your best. Well, Lindsay caller. and like Lindsay, my friend Lindsay was kind okay. of like my. I don't know. She loved it. It was our thing. Like we, she was almost like my co-host. I guess my co-host. Did you guys just talk about the Golden Girls the whole time, or? No, it was, we cared about the show, but yeah. So this is kind of like bringing this all, you know, together. And obviously podcasts weren't really a thing. Um, I don't know. Maybe that show was like the, maybe I was like the original podcast and I like started it off. I don't know. My fake show. Maybe. But yeah, this kind of brings it all together. Um, Just with much better equipment, like actually recording the show is a nice feature of a show. I didn't have that back (laughs) (laughs) on my like motorola flip phone i know this was before this was before flip phone definitely before flip phone so what 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 do you want to do with the podcast like who do you see who would you like to to have on here dream guests if you can you can have three guests on your podcast anyone anyone in the world who, who are your three? I mean, you already plugged the Golden guests. Girls. Can I have Betty White? I think she is just a national treasure. She is, she would be so fun. Betty White's number one. Betty White, yeah. I don't know who else. Maybe Dennis Rodman. Yeah, big I love Bulls some. fan. Yeah, I did have a chameleon named Rodman because it would change color like his hair. And so, big so, <laughs> so Betty White. Fun and fact: Dennis Rodman. If you ever want to unlock any of my like passwords on my computer, that's probably one of the Rodman. Hits. Yeah. What was your first pet, Rodman? No, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's just fun to. I feel like like interviews become so generic, like in sports and t- and like you get asked the same question. Like obviously, there's information that you know fans want to know and all that, but I feel like it has to feel a little redundant. So I kind of like the idea of podcasts just going beyond that and asking people, you know, obscure things that they wouldn't think about. And, you know, people might not even realize they want to know about their favorite celebrity or athlete or anything like that. So, yeah. I, I know who your th- number three would be. It would be George Strait, I bet. Oh, man. That is a man right there. <laughs> I don't even know if I would be able to speak if he was a guest on the podcast. I would probably just sit there and like look at him. 
Can you tell he you, is a treasure. Can you tell your your George Strait concert story in in Texas? Which oh man, yeah, I can. So George Strait, what what I thought was his farewell tour. He announced that he was retiring from touring and concerts and all that. Um, and so I'm actually in Austin for the X Games working, and his very last concert was going to be in Dallas, I think at AT&T. So I go on StubHub and like find tickets and I talk to Mike, my boss, and I'm like, tell him the situation. I was like, I have to see George Strait. Um, It's his last concert ever. I have to go. And he was like, okay, like you guys can leave like a little early. Um, Perfect. So I rent a car, we drive, I think it's like two, three hours. It's I want to add in that it was pouring rain. That might be not real, but in my mind, it was like pouring rain the whole way there. It was like a very difficult journey to get there. So we we finally get there and we get up to the arena and we go to scan our tickets and we have our bags with us and didn't realize at the time the bag policy because this was, I want to say like six years ago, five or six years ago before like the, yeah, before like the clear bag policy was um, a big thing and I start hearing I know at every George Strait I've never been to one of his concerts but you just know if you're a George Strait fan that when he plays the cowboy rides away it's over like he's riding away that's literally like it's you're yeah. that's it that's all you're getting and so we're like screw it like we have to leave our bags and our car was parked like a mile away so I was like there's no way we're going back to the car and so I just see like a bush off to the side and I kind of like tuck my purse under it my friend um had this like crocodile skinned bag that was like a gift from her boyfriend (laughs) and she was like I can't leave this and I was like Amber leave the bag we are going now I was like or you're staying outside so she's like okay whatever so we tuck it under people were like watching us do this so like someone could easily have just like snatched our bags but we go in the concert literally watch one song but the only benefit was it was his last concert ever well what I thought was his last concert ever um little foreshadowing there and so everyone that performed with him that day was on stage like it was like Alan Jackson Miranda Lambert like they did like it was like a community sing-along of the Cowboys away so at least I got to see everyone for three minutes on the stage after buying two tickets getting a rental car leaving work early driving three hours throwing my purse in a wet bush um at least got to check it off so we drive back um I think we tried to convince ourselves that it was worth it. It was, I think. Um, but then found out like months later that he was, I don't know if like it's a full blown tour, but like even right now, I just got an email from like the George Strait fan club that was like, George's tour is kicking off again. Like get tickets to see him at Notre Dame, like with Chris Stapleton. And I'm like, George, you really got me on that one you really duped me I thought that was the cowboy I thought you were riding away and he did not ride away um at all so, in fact he's so still riding <laughs> he's still on the horse so after all that for three hours for one song turn around three hours back yep in the rain George Strait is still your number three and he's not your number one I want to ask him why he thought he could do that <laughs> um no yeah he's still he's still there for sure I mean, I get it. Like, how many people retire and then come back? I mean, number 23 did it. You Sometimes you don't know. And he, at the time, probably thought that was it. I think maybe he thought he would do, like, smaller gigs. I didn't think he maybe knew he was going to do another arena tour. But, I mean, it's all, you know, the important thing is the friends we made along the way. That's true. Okay, well, now I have your list, so I'm going to go to work. <laughs> I'm going to see how many strings I can pull. <laughs> Betty White, oh, Dennis man. Rodman, George Strait. Yeah, that's a big list. Do you have your three? Do I have my three? Yeah, like let's say one day I can't do this and you have to like sub in and be the main host. My role, the oh, main host. Oh, man. Just do give us like three? one. Maybe one. One? Um, I would love to have Chris Harrison on here. Okay, that's. Uh, let me just <laughs> DM him right now. That one's not even hard. Well, he yeah, is a but, busy guy. You no, have to but, get his scheduling. <laughs> but like, to have him on here on a podcast for an hour 
I mean, it's been 50 minutes now. Yeah. To have him on here and get some of the stories from some yeah. of these seasons, I think would be, a lot of people would want to hear that. Yeah. He's funny. He's really funny. Really funny. So he would be one. Okay. I would love to have like, <laughs> like an Adam Sandler. Okay. Like I like it. I, anytime an Adam Sandler movie comes on. Uh, I'm watching it. You're and naming all these people that were at the California Strong Softball game. We could have been like recruiting them, right? Was Chris was there this year. I wasn't there this year. He wasn't there the first year. Okay, but still, like they've been on the roster. So we have like, you have a way to get in contact with these people, I think. And my number one, I think you know who my number one would be. Oh, gosh. It's Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner. Yeah. As if you sure. need like more of him in your life. Oh, Kekos. What yeah, a guy. Honestly. Definitely. Kevin Costner. Your uh, freebie. What do you call it? Your hall pass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> to hang out with him. <laughs> Those would be my three, I think. That's a good list. Yeah. Well, Kevin loves baseball, so that would be. I think uh, we would we would probably need more than an hour. That's fine. I can allow that. He had a baseball game at his wedding. Yeah. That's incredible. And his wife had to come out and shut the game down so they can come and get married. <laughs> That's like a dream life. Yeah, that would be fun for him to tell that story for sure. All right. Well, your lips to God's ears on the podcast guests. Let's all get right, it we'll going. See, we'll see who can get all three of their guests first. I'm guessing you. <laughs> You've met all three of yours. That's true. I'll come <laughs> up with a better I've barely like come up with a better the air three. of one of mine, and I had to pay to do it. So I'll have to come know. up with a better three. <laughs> You're right. All right. I like it, though. You gotta dream big. Did you just have to sneeze? I tried I, to do the like cough drop on the control board and I couldn't <laughs> I think I did it before you sneeze. So I <laughs> don't know how I made it fifteen minutes without <laughs> sneezing, but I was trying to hold it back and I couldn't do it. All right. <laughs> Where's I, the mute button? I had it and I, <laughs> I tried I tried it. and then it like didn't kick on until like the tail end of your sneeze. We will figure this thing out. Yeah. It's fine. It's a learning process. All right. Should we wrap this? baby up i don't know i think we should hear that jingle one more time before oh we yeah get that's out of gonna here. take everyone away but all right i think that's gonna do it for our first ever episode of holding court I episode uno episode one in the books i want to thank my lovely co-host justin for <laughs> hanging out with me today and uh buying me the equipment to start this off thanks babe i'm just glad as your husband your very first episode, you allowed me to be your first guest. So I know Ross. You could have like easily like hundred episodes picked anyone, and that's true. I, you know, figured you might have asked someone else, but I'm glad you asked me. I'm glad I asked you. Thanks, man. Well. You're welcome. I had a blast. I had a blast too. I'm proud of you for the marathon too. That was pretty special. Thank you. Well, thanks to anyone that's still uh, tuning in. We're going to wrap this thing up and hopefully be around for episode two. So we, don't, we don't know where we're going for episode <laughs> two. So. We're going to look for a sponsor. All right. Thanks, everyone.